Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it is always, always a pleasure to come your way with uh, interesting conversations with very interesting guests, including ones who return for a continuation of a conversation that we started, who knows, weeks, months, maybe even years. Um, we've had people that haven't been on the program for five, six, seven, eight years, and here we are in our 15th. Well, today... We bring back, uh, I say, a very special guest. We have a great conversation the last time, and I know that we will this time because we're talking about, we're talking about the, shall we call it, at least for this, uh, this context, the survival of humanity on the planet, uh, and how is that going to manifest if we can't seem to get along? Well, we're going to talk about some very interesting uh, topics with our very special guest returning to our uh, Zoom cameras and microphones, Dr. Andrew Mukler. He is an award-winning author, and uh, he is also, uh, uh, and uh, my, uh, my screen just jumped on me. How, how rude of uh, my screen to do that. He's an award-winning author. He is uh, a former Democratic nominee for Congress in Virginia, uh, as well as a columnist. And uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Mukler, thank you so much for joining us again here on the program to continue our conversation. I hope you don't mind if I um, say that my last name is Schmuckler. Beg your pardon, Andrew Schmuckler. Yeah, there I am. I beg your pardon. That's uh, okay. You, you, you just cut off the first uh, three letters of the name and and, and Mookler is what you're left with. That's true. That's true. But it isn't <laughs> Mookler. It's Schmookler. And I, I find, uh, and again, uh, I'm, I'm one though, who wants to make sure, I mean, I was looking right at it. I was, uh, I don't know if that has anything it, to do okay. with it. It's just, okay. I just wanted you, <laughs> I, 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 I hate to, you know, find fault. I just wanted your listeners to know what my name is. I have no problem with uh, corrections uh, because uh, uh, I'm here to learn too. Well, it is great that, to have you with That's one of us. your great virtues I've discovered. I mean, I, I, I've been impressed with the extent to which that is true. Yeah, well. Uh, not, as, a, not everybody, you know, over the age of uh, whatever mm -hmm. um, is really interested in learning. Well, I, uh, I, in one of my interviews, I shared my perspective on something. Then my guest came back with, well, you know, you might think about it this way. Shared his. I thought about it not long and hard, because we were in the heart of, the, uh, of an interview, I said, well, there goes another one of my straw huts up in flames. And you know what? I don't mind if we burn them all down and I start over again because... Well, you uh, know, with the three little pigs, you know, the, that's, the, the, the huts that were made of straw... That's right. Uh, ...did not endure when the wolf came. That's but, right. But, uh, you know, if you got a guest that'll build you a brick house... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Exactly. And uh, I, I love this saying. <clears throat> uh, it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. Well, I'm most concerned about the people who who never bother with the doubt, who <laughs> go straight to, to certainty and stay that way all the way to the grave yeah. without having taken a look around to see what the facts actually indicate. Exactly. And that's part of what we're going to talk about here. Uh, there were a couple of uh, articles that, uh, that you passed my way, and I, I find them rather interesting. Um, we're talking, of course, uh, about a lot of the work and study that you've done over the years. One of the articles was The Fate of Human Civilization, which we sort of touched upon in our last program. But also, <clears throat> the central challenge uh, facing uh, civilization is creating 
a, um, a you know, with a creating creature. Uh, that's what we are. We are creative and we create stuff. We make stuff yeah, happen. We're, we're the only species to have invented our own way of life. You know, and that is a crucial thing for understanding the human story. Yeah, at, at, in spite of the fact that we certainly have seen um, other species, other animals, uh, specifically, uh, I, I don't know whether this is the proper term here, or in the ape category, where they start to develop skills for uh, creating tools. I remember seeing this one movie, this documentary, where this monkey took a stick. He loved termites. So he stuck this stick down inside the termite hole and uh, pulled it out, and all these termites were there. He's going, hey, this is great. But the, dis the distinction is about inventing our own way of life is not uh, absolute, like everybody else is sure. at zero. Absolutely. But even when we went, you know, up until 10 or 12,000 years ago, mm -hmm. We were hunter-gatherers, you know, yeah. for, you know, what, you know, Homo sapiens starts 300,000 years ago. Is, but, you know, you can go further back and there are tools and stuff like that. Sure. Even up until uh, when we had language and we had tools and certain amount of symbolisms going on with paintings on the walls, even then, we were still living in the niche in which we evolved biologically. Mm. Whereas as soon as people start rearranging the ecosystem, like with the domestication of plants in gardens or the domestication of animals and in herding, at that point, we are leaving the niche in which we evolve biologically and inventing new ways of life that have open-ended possibilities. And that's an unprecedented step. And my work has all been predicated on the implications mm -hmm. that have not been looked at of taking an unprecedented step. And we went, went into some of that, I think, last time. Yeah. But anyway, that sets the stage for we're in a whole new situation. We unleash forces that are troublesome. And I'll yeah. hand it back to you. Well, it's interesting, too, because I use this phrase, uh, I use this analogy of, uh, primarily of uh, um, a person of faith who is, let's just say, walking around in a uh, in a, uh, a beautiful meadow, and they have their hands cupped in front of them. If they could hold their personal will in their hand, I just want to do God's will. I want to do God's will, and they toss it in the air. God catches it, is moved. My one of my creation wants to do my will, and is compressing that down into the size of a baseball, and and rears back, and hurls a ninety mile an hour. Nolan Ryan fastball hits the individual right in the forehead and then says, then do something with your life, the life that you've been given. You are not um, you're not a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you do not understand. But you have kind of sort of, of, of poked a hole in that by saying that we unleash forces that we may or may not understand, but that we don't understand the uh, I'll use the term unintended consequences thereof. Okay, initially this is why we're going to do this. I and I'm I'm going to throw out just as an example, nuclear power. Sounds like a great idea. And people who are in favor of it say it's clean energy and I go, "Where do you see that it's clean? What are well, you me, going let me, to Let me jump in sure. if I may. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, to me, the issue is not um, 
that we're throwing some kind. Well, I think Nolan Ryan's fastball was more than 90 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he threw harder than that. Okay. Um, but what we, we're, I see everything in an evolutionary perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that that's absolutely essential. I mean, I, I, I think we need to understand really what the story of life is out of which we emerged. And life created in mammals more intelligence than there had been in, you know, reptiles or dinosaurs. And then they created in the primates uh, a, a group of uh, species that were more intelligent than the rest of the mammals. Though, you know, we're not the only, you know, there's pigs are intelligent and elephants are intelligent and stuff. And then there's one species that continues this process and has a creative uh, capacity that's unmatched uh, in, 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 in quality and it enables it to invent things, create things. Mm -hmm. And also because it's become cultural, which is part of what we're talking about here. Right. They develop the capacity to pass along what people have come up with from generation to generation. So you make possible something like cultural evolution. Okay. It's an accumulative process. Right. And then this creative intelligence takes a step, which is not like, uh, uh, the hunter-gatherers who are living in a way which is fundamentally continuous yeah. with what primates have been doing, you know, as bands for millions of years. I mean, seven million years ago, we part ways with the chimpanzees and, and, and like that. They're living in, in, in primate bands. And so even were the hunter-gatherers who first started thinking we can plant seeds mm -hmm. and not just depend on what we gather. Right. We can pen some animals, not just depend. So it's all, that's all it takes. And according to me, and this is, you know, a whole argument that I just want to point to and not get into, mm -hmm. we embark upon a process where we have the ability to keep inventing we have broken out of, ha uh, of, of having to be only, you know, a few families as a society. We were able to uh, start creating viable entities called civilized societies that are bigger and structured differently and operate differently in terms of how they get a living from anything that natural selection created. This is all out of the creative intelligence. And here we are in a situation where I say we get swept up into a process that drives our civilization in destructive ways mm. because we have left the natural order, which evolution creates to have certain properties that maintain it as a good perpetual motion machine. And it, we plunge into a disorder because there's nothing to uh, control how we interact with each other. So I, anyway, I, I'll just skip a few steps and okay. just say we're left with a destructive process. Mm. And we are left to this destructive process in a situation where we continually innovate and accumulate things that are um, 
that are either selected to continue into civilization or, or, or they're not. And since the disorder we've plunged into has meant a war of all against all, mm. an anarchy, what gets perpetuated is what survives a war against all of all against all. And that's the destructive force that I'm pointing to. But we keep on accumulating these things. And eventually, as I can go into if you want, it becomes inevitable that we'll have the capacity to destroy ourselves. Mm. And it's just more or less in the, the oldest people alive right now have been alive for the discovery of two ways that we could destroy ourselves that weren't part of the uh, civilization picture for the 10,000 years that went before. So the fate of human civilization has got to do with, will we bring under control those forces before they destroy ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a phrase that is often used when having these kinds of conversations that you know, um, you know, those who uh, refuse to uh, look at history, you know, learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, I don't know if it was you or another one of my guests when I used that phrase. They said, OK, that's great. But what what are we supposed to learn from history? Um, and, and then I got to uh, I was going to ask you, so are you an optimist or a pessimist? And then I and, and, and as you're sharing what you're sharing, I begin to realize that optimism or pessimism is somewhat irrelevant in this conversation. It has nothing to do with uh, the whole process of evolution of our species and civilization. That well, I, we're going to make choices or not. Pessimism. I think it is an important. Oh, okay. Because um, I mean, in a way. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I think that the spiritual traditions teach us that um, that hope is one of our spiritual tasks. Mm -hmm. um, despair is a spiritual failure. So I go around these days saying, I think it's a toss up whether human civilization will uh, survive for the long haul or will have self-destructed. And we can go into the reasons for that or not. But regardless, toss up, 80, 20, whatever. Mm -hmm. Our task is to focus on what will it take to get to the good destination that we want. Yeah. And, and in addition to the question of can we maintain hope and act from hope, there, there's the question, do we have the moral and spiritual passion for seeing to it that human Humankind thrives and life on earth thrives versus the self, the destruction that could occur. Do we care enough? Do we find what's at stake sacred enough mm -hmm. that we rise to the occasion like like uh, Luke and uh, against the Death Star and like uh, Frodo getting those rings into the into the fiery whatever that was the volcano or, yeah or Sully getting rid of the rapacious military industrial com uh, complex on pa uh, plundering Pandora in its quest for unobtainium do we have the that caring about whether our grandchildren and their grandchildren live on a healthy planet and 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 make our species story one of success 
virtue the, versus the alternative, which is very real at this moment, mm. that we will have shown that life on earth made a really bad bet when they brought, for, it brought forth a creature that could create a civilization, but didn't manage to make a go of it. Mm. Dr. Andrew Schmuckler's my guest. His website is A Better Human Story, and I believe that is a, a dot .org, if I am not, if not mistaken. Yeah, it is a, a dot .org. Orc. To go back to the, uh, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. And uh, we are talking uh, about a, a better human story here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I love these kinds of conversations. You have brought up one aspect that we talk about very regularly on this program. You talked about, um, I'm going to use the term, the, the spiritual aspects. You talked about... Uh, uh, you know, recognizing and acknowledging the sacredness. Um, and there are those who, from a, uh, a broader perspective in their minds, they recognize that. But there are others who want to make sacred those things that um, aren't, maybe aren't necessarily sacred, like the things that we've accumulated, the things that we've invented, um, you know, the technology, for example, almost there's almost a worship like quality on the part of folks. Uh, and in a way, you can kind of see that when you're walking the streets because you see people on their screens looking and it's like, OK, are you praying? Are you you know, it's like the, the phone or the screen has become their God uh, and, and so forth. So let, let our civilization, our society, American society, mm -hmm. is not in very good shape these days, though, though I, I did have fears that we'd be in worse shape today than we are. <laughs> but no, we'll talk about we, that. <laughs> we, we can talk about um, sort of like two different problems. Mm -hmm. um, you brought up one of them, which is making the wrong, uh, the wrong things into God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be material things or, you know, like the crowds in Nuremberg uh, in ecstasy, listening to Der Führer in the 1930s, uh, a guy about whom uh, one of the biographies is called the psychopathic God. Mm. And we in America have, have witnessed uh, people who are mistaking um, well, the evil for the good. Or, or in the case of materialism, I, I, I wouldn't say it's the evil. It's just a, a false god. You know, in, in the Bible, it says you cannot worship both God and, and mammon. Exactly. Uh, you know, so there are people who, who, who essentially end up worshiping, you know, like some, some uh, uh, murderous uh, psychopath. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, which is like worshiping the devil. And then there's worshiping mammon. And, and I write weekly uh, op-ed columns to address people that I live among in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley, who I believe have mistaken the evil for the good. Mm. But my life's work contains a piece which is addressing uh, another dimension of our spiritual malaise, if you will, which is I I'm addressing not the people who uh, 
who call themselves Christian and yet um, adhere to, uh, you know, ally themselves with something which is sort of the opposite. Right. Uh, uh, my life's work is addressed more to uh, the liberal world, uh, the world of the secular uh, culture, mm -hmm. um, which has left behind the ways in which religion uh, provided people with a route into uh, the spiritual dimension or the sacred or like that. I think that what's happened in the secular worldview is that there isn't, um, uh, having pushed away the traditional religious ways of getting there, they don't think that there's really anything that conjures forth those passions like uh, you know killing the for, for fighting the death star or or, or, or saving life uh, on earth uh, you know in, in on that planet in avatar there, there's there's a lack of a space for there being such a thing as this as the sacred and what I've tried to do in what I call my integrative vision which is to show, which I'd be happy to go into. It's mm -hmm. not what we plan to talk about. Uh, but I can show the reality and the importance and the life-serving nature of a spiritual dimension, which can be understood in evolutionary terms, mm -hmm. in a secular way, right. in a way which is based on reason applied to uh, evidence. Uh, the, to build a bridge by which people of a secular orientation can discover that there is something that is worth calling the spiritual dimension, which can be shown to be important and which we need to be able to plug into because it is a source of life-serving guidance. Mm -hmm. So that's a place I'm happy to go where we can go back to you know, the central challenge facing humankind or wherever you want to go. Absolutely. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Schmuckler. Uh, his website is, of course, uh, a website. I love the title of it because it, it speaks to what we are trying to create, although we don't put it in these terms, but I like the way he puts it in his website, a better humanstory.org, which, of course, we will be linked to where you can read more about the work that he's doing. You can read his op-ed pieces and so forth as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Dr. Andrew Schmuckler is my guest, and we are talking about a better human story in a very, very broad sense, but talking about <clears throat> uh, moving from uh, as you started out the program to talk about the the survival mode that we were in as human beings early, early on in our existence as the hunter-gatherers and so forth, and just literally just surviving. I mean, every day was a matter of survival because you never knew whether you were the prey or you were the predator, uh, depending upon, at that time, uh, what creatures were uh, roaming, the, uh, roaming the plains or the mountains or what have you. Um, I do want to bring you this into. I actually, I actually think that when civilization emerged uh, in the ancient world, um, people's lives were more precarious mm -hmm. than they were as hunter gatherers. I, I couldn't prove that, but mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've studied both worlds. And um, when a war of all against all, when the anarchy breaks out, 
human life becomes more traumatic than it is. Like if you see you like some, the gods must be crazy. Or, you know, oh, yes. Not, yeah. I mean, I, that's not where I get all my anthropological uh, <laughs> knowledge, I, I, I assure you. But I, I, I don't think... You know, yeah, we, people have always been, you know, is there a saber-toothed tiger or a bear or, yeah. you know, a lion out there? But um, I think I would have felt more insecure in, in the kind of world that we've seen once we uh, set off on the path of civilization. Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with you that uh, because it's like, uh, as we are speaking, uh, the United States has just finished, uh, although they're still doing some bean counting of sorts. Uh, we just finished what is referred to as the midterm elections of uh, 2022. And and we talked a little bit about this in terms of what we thought prior to uh, the vote uh, that was taken. Uh, and then, of course, how it actually has turned out. And it's even as we speak, it's not 100 percent clear, but it's not what uh, it's not what a lot of people expected. And that seems to be the case, which actually, to be honest with you, is a good thing, in my opinion, that we've had some elections that have not been what we expected. So, uh, you know, the level of uncertainty in our civilization, in our society, continues to grow. And in the reality of things, going back to the example of, you know, the, the prehistoric man and so forth, um, there was uncertainty there, too. And we've always had uncertainty. It's just to what degree, to what level. And um, the one thing that I looked at, for example, with this election uh, was uh, three possible outcomes. Number one was they, there was going to be what has been uh, was termed by many supposed pundits was going to be a red tsunami uh, that was going to wipe the, the, the blue off the map. The other was the reverse because people are just so tired and fatigued of, of all of the BS and, and, and so forth. Then my theory was the third. We were going to wind up, wind up somewhere in the middle where we would maintain a certain level of equilibrium. In other words, the, 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 the red would actually turn into more of a, as, as the joke was made, uh, a pink swirl rather than a red tsunami. And it, it seems as though, yeah, it's, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, but we are still here the day after. We're still moving forward. I haven't heard about any riots or fights or shootings or chaos. You know, I haven't heard any of that, although I am waiting for the other shoe to drop with the the uh, false claims of irregularities across the board. Can I break in? Please do. Yeah. Um, the equilibrium thing is the part of what you say that, that I, I don't go along with. Okay, I, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, what motivates me is that um, since 19, 2004, uh, I've been passionately involved in this. Um, one of our two major political parties has become something quite extraordinary. Uh, it, it, I, I, I define evil in a careful way. Uh, I define evil as a coherent force that consistently works to make the human world worse or consistently spreads a pattern of brokenness. Mm. And I, I think that works for the religious framework. It works for the, the secular framework that I'm trying to develop. And something remarkable happened to the Republican Party um, 
I mean, I grew up with uh, Eisenhower as my first Republican president. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the way through the first uh, Bush presidency, um, Republican presidents were within uh, a, a certain range of, of normal. Yeah. Um, uh, what's happened to that party is unprecedented in American history. Uh, and so from my point of view, the optimal outcome with a, would be to take as much power as possible out of the hands of a party that virtually I can't point to anything that they have done in recent years that makes things better. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I really, this is me. I'm not a partisan type. Mm -hmm. I, in the eighties, I worked for search. I, I was associated with a group called search for common ground. Uh, I, I had a radio show called a meeting of minds talking with conservative. I'm a bridge builder, mm -hmm. but something has happened over there and it's come down to the central battle going into the midterms was one, which is, a, really germane to the future of humankind, mm -hmm. and B, equates to a battle of, between democracy and fascism. Mm. And, you know, fascism is, wherever we've seen it arise, it always, it always is destructive. It, 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 it create. I mean, you look at Ukraine, the, the war created by that fascist dictator in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, Hitler. Hitler w was drawn to war. Putin is drawn to war. Always lusting for for more power, no matter how much power there is there. It, it is spiritually sick. And so, when we think about the 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 fate of humankind. And I say, well, it's a toss up whether we'll destroy ourselves mm -hmm. or not. There are two ways that, uh, that have become visible um, a little bit, one of them a little bit before my lifetime. I was born in 46. Mm -hmm. Hiroshima and Nagasaki were the year before. Uh, I was probably conceived around the time that the Hiroshima was obliterated by mm -hmm. an atomic bomb. Yeah. But we can see that we are in danger of destroying ourselves through war because we have developed at this point with our accumulative innovations, we have developed nuclear weapons and who knows, I don't know what else there might be, you know, who, people were not foreseeing that a hundred years before it happened. Yeah. But anyway, that's one way we could go. And we don't want there to be great powers particularly in the United States, we have always been a leading force in creating an international order. And we need to create a different kind of international order. Our, we're, we're playing Russian roulette, eventually something like the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962, where we wondered whether we were going to all be alive yeah. uh, when this thing uh, worked its way through. Well, it did. It, Kennedy and Khrushchev did a, the, navigated their way through that. 
without a nuclear holocaust. But it, historians say it could have gone wrong. And we are looking at, at the nuclear saber rattling in Ukraine, and we're looking at uh, possible confrontation over Taiwan. We can't keep going through those things. So we've got to ask ourselves, how do we order civilization? So those kinds of of Russian roulette games of you spin the, the the chamber and pull the trigger and you hope it's not got the bullet in it yeah. that we don't keep on doing that. Yeah. So if if the, Rep the Republicans are have, have have are checking the box for the characteristics of a fascistic force. Yeah. I mean we could go into that, but sure. it's just right there in front of us. It used to be hidden. I was worried about in 2004 uh, there was a great sermon delivered by a Unitarian minister in Texas uh, back then, showing that there was already a danger of fa fascism. He knew what he was talking about. Yeah. But now it's really right out there in front. If we have an America that's, that's uh, turned into a fascistic regime, I don't see us moving toward an international order that, that sort of assures the peace. Yeah. And the other way we can destroy ourselves is through destroying uh, the ecosystem, the biosphere that we depend on. We're already in on our way into a, well, some people say it could be catastrophic. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly if we don't take action mm -hmm. uh, to stop what we're doing to disrupt the climate uh, process. We're, we're heading into a world where we can already see that between rising sea levels and droughts and floods and uninhabitably hot places and mass migrations destabilizing the, the international order, we can already see that there are big problems out there. And we need to reorder our civilization, hoping it's not too late, that we don't destroy the foundations of our lives. Yeah. And we know that the force that, uh, that, was, that, that did not have a red wave yesterday has been full-time doing everything they can to block our taking constructive action on the problem of climate change. Yeah. So we know they're not going to lead the way for the world to become uh, better ordered so that humankind lives in harmony with the planet and isn't like a bull in the ecological china shop. Yeah. So that's what was at stake yesterday. And I was dreading an outcome where we would take a big step in the direction of the kind of Oh, killing American democracy, where you, where people refuse uh, to respect the will of the people, where we've come to the point where instead of the people controlling the power of the government, we've got a government that is not accountable to the people, that controls and manipulates and exploits the people. Yeah. So that's what was at stake to me, at least potentially. And I'm delighted that it didn't turn out as bad as I thought it might. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting is talking about not learning from history. What was the main reason why this country was founded? Because w the, the people were living under what they refer to as the tyranny of a king overseas. And they didn't want that. They didn't want to be ruled by a king. Well, how is that different from what you've just described uh, that that we, you know, seemingly were heading in that sort of that direction? Uh, you know, I, 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 I still remember the, the, the quote from this one uh, gentleman running for governor of one of the northern states 
who said, if I'm elected governor, I will <sighs> see to it that that uh, Republicans never lose another election. Uh, and I'm thinking, wait, what? Uh, this that, is that happens only in countries like the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, the Communist is... Party never lost an election from 1917 to 1990 yeah. or whatever it was. What I, I And again, you, you have people like Saddam Hussein who he held an election even before the election had been, uh, even before the votes had been uh, cast and tallied, he declared that he won by 95 percent. What? So, th I mean, this is this is basically where we have been for the last, uh, uh, you know, well, let's just let's just go back, say, to uh, 2004 in terms of the progression, the evolution of this this situation. And again, I, I don't want to I know neither of us wants to get partisan in any way, shape or form. That's not the intent. What we're trying but, to but show some important realities have yeah. to do with what has become of one of our parties. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we're talking with Dr. Andrew Schmuckler. We're talking about uh, a better human story.org. A better human story is what we're talking about here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I want to ask you, because it's come up a number of times, it's one of the main focuses of this program. And granted, yes, we've been talking a great deal about <clears throat> the material world in terms of uh, human civilization. Uh, but but we've touched upon this a few times throughout in terms of the, the spiritual aspects. And one phrase that came to my mind uh, that I wanted to ask you about, and that is, um, and maybe it's self-evident, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. What is your observation of what the soul of America was and what's the state of the soul of America today? Uh, it, bleak? Uh, is there hope in general? Uh, let's just maybe broaden it out. We could go to the factions. I don't want to do that. I want to kind of keep it more collective. Do you think that, that there is a general sense of hope within the, the populace of America today? Well, there's a lot of fear. Sure. And, and let me say this, uh, I, 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 the soul of America is actually a phrase I think I back in in the like 2005, I, I was writing that phrase. I don't think I'd heard it from other people, but that 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 was what was at stake that mm -hmm. I could see in the forces that were were rising. Um, and 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 we again, there's a, like a two part problem with the soul of America. There there are the people who mistake the evil for the good. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who don't understand that the battle between two forces that could be called good and evil, or you can call them other things, mm -hmm. but they act a lot like good and evil. There are the people who don't recognize how crucial that, that battle is in, as a central part of the human drama. And that's one of the things I, I've gone to great lengths to show that there are these two coherent forces uh, operating. And if you don't, if you, the, that part of the soul of America uh, that looks at uh, a malignant narcissist um, and responds in, for, I, I've tried 
really hard to understand exactly how this works. I've talked with these people on the radio back in the 90s uh, when I had my own radio show, mm -hmm. uh, a show where I'd say, let's talk with each other in a spirit of mutual respect and genuine inquiry as if we might actually learn from each other. And I came to love the kinds of conservative goodness I saw in them, the people who, who really lived their Christian values and were patriotic, uh, revered the Constitution, and, and saw the centrality of good character mm -hmm. to making a good human world. I, I, I really learned from them, and they learned something from me, and we had hundreds of hours of conversation. Mm -hmm. In terms of the soul of America, a lot of those people are embracing just the opposite. And there's, so there's something very broke. But as, as neighbors, as people to do business with, as people in their churches, their souls look fine. Mm -hmm. They still look like the good people that I came to love back when I was doing the radio show with, show with them before something happened to the soul of America in terms of their consciousness, where somehow they believe something which has been demonstrated to be false more than almost anything in the American public life ever. You know, the stolen election lie. Mm -hmm. You know, you couldn't ask for anything to be more fully disproven than that has been. Yeah. But they believe it. So the, the, something got worked there. But then the other part of my experience is, and I could go back to the early 90s, but I didn't really realize what I came to realize in 2004. I've been trying to say to the other part of America that there's something rising over here that's changing the nature of our political battles. These are not people who, with whom one can build bridges because they are not interested in how do we work together to serve the people and to move the country forward. Something has changed. The nature of the battle has changed. The nature of what we're up against, which is the title of my 2015 book, the nature of what we're up against is fundamentally uh, at a more profound level. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and what I have found is that it did not compute because the soul of America did not have that concept that you might be up some, against something which is the moral equivalent of the Death Star or what's this? Oh, I, I have trouble remembering the, the the evil, the guy. Sauron, is that the, the guy in The Lord of the Ring? Is it Sauron? I think, yeah, I think so, yes, uh-huh. Yeah, and then the the the, the military industrial uh, 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 rapists of uh, of Pandora in, in Avatar. You know, we're up against something like that. And what I found was that the soul of America had lost contact with that level. We uh, liberals could go into the movie theater and be through the manipulations of artists get put into that space where they're ready to do battle against evil vicariously through the characters with whom they identify. Mm. But when the, essentially the same thing is happening in our world, where we've got something which is 
turning race against race, which is refusing to, to act responsibly with climate change, which is trying to undermine American democracy, which is our great blessing, which is doing one thing after another, which is sort of partakes of all that stuff. They did not recognize that this registers on that same basic level and that therefore did not respond to it as in the spirit that you do when you're trying to defend the sacred and you're fighting for your life. Yeah. So the soul of America has a, a little distance to go. Nonetheless, a lot of people have made movement. Once they started seeing more clearly in the last six years that something is rising here mm -hmm. that is not our father's uh, Republican Party, right? Not something that Ronald Reagan would ever have signed on for, or Abraham Lincoln, for that matter, or Barry Goldwater. Yeah, you know, I, I actually had some interaction with Barry Goldwater in the early seventies. I don't like his politics, sure, but he was a man of integrity. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we've got something here which, if somebody acts with integrity, like Liz Cheney, she gets kicked out. Yeah, yeah. So, so. This is something that that we, if we are alive to the reality, which has a spiritual dimension and has a moral dimension, and if we don't really believe, and the, the secular worldview has a shadow on both those ideas, mm -hmm. that's another conversation that we could have. But you know, in in order to respond powerfully, we have to be able to connect with those moral and spiritual passions that those movies put us in touch with. Yeah. But which the secular world, the liberal world has had difficulty connecting with. So I've tried to build bridges to them in a way which is completely responsible in terms of secular understanding of things, which uses reason to draw conclusions on the basis of evidence. Yeah. I do find it very interesting too, that there have been, a few who have been on that side, if you will, and over the course of the last four, five, six years of watching and observing what's been going on, they're going, uh, I want no part of this. And they flip parties. They say, no, I, I'm like the not never the ne like the never Trump group. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I, and I'm going the, the, the people who are staying, they can't be stupid people, but at the same time, it's like uh, to 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 use a phrase that was sort of uh, brought up from the 197 early 70s massacre. It's like they're drinking the Kool-Aid and 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 there's nothing that's going to change them because they keep drinking or they keep breathing the same gas that is befuddling the logic centers of the brain to at least consider the po I'm not saying let's change their minds. I'm saying, are you even willing to consider the possibility that blah, 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 blah. Well, well there are two different groups um, in, in that side of the world, as is um, generally the case with forces of this nature. We know from lots of witnesses that, let's say, the Republicans in Congress know what's true. I mean, we, we've seen, um, you know, like in the wake of, uh, of January 6th, just mm -hmm. to 
to, to illustrate the point. Yeah. We, we've heard uh, um, Kevin McCarthy speak the truth about what happened, you know, with this attempted coup d'etat. I mean, he didn't speak all the truth, but, you know, he was basically talking like a, a normal person who sees reality. Um, but then for reasons of opportunism, I would say, it's, 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 just, it's a problem not of um, he hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid. We know that from the from the video of what he said in the week before he went down to Florida to kiss the ring. Mm -hmm. We know that he knows. And we know that all through the uh, Trump presidency, the Republicans in Congress knew that what they were telling the world was false. They knew that they were playing uh, a deceptive role with their followers. So I make a distinction between the, the people who, let's say, vote to acquit uh, a, a, a president who has been impeached twice, who's if he's not impeachable, our founders would have had difficulty coming up with a more impeachable, uh, an image of a more impeachable president. So they, the, the people in the Senate who voted to uh, acquit Trump, presumably knew full well that what he did with Ukraine and what he did uh, in inciting an insurrection was more than enough grounds uh, to remove him from office. They knew that, but they, they said otherwise. But the people I live among, I think they believe the lies that they're told. Mm -hmm. So there's, there, there's, I mean, uh, Newt Gingrich studied the, um, I think Goebbels is the uh, famous Nazi propagandist. Mm -hmm. You know, the phrase of the big lie has been used a lot in yes, America in yes. the last year and a half. But I believe it originates in... Um, in, in that literature from Goebbels about if you tell a lie often enough, you know, uh, the people will eventually believe it. And if you're going to lie, the bigger the lie, the better, the more they will believe it. You know, there is it is part of the fascistic spirit that the relationship between the people in power and the people who support that power is one of deception, ex manipulation, exploitation. It is not in the interests of the people that I live among that they support what they support. Mm -hmm. You know, they wanted to repeal Obamacare. The people that would have hurt are a lot of the people around here who are enthusiastic. There's nothing in their program that improves their lives. Mm. It is, and the people in Germany, and I'm not saying this is the equivalent of, of, of Nazism. I've given a lot of thought to what's parallel, which is a lot, and what's different, which is also important. But the, 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 the power structure in which people in power lie to the people who whose support they utilize for their power. That is fundamental to the fascist spirit. Hmm. Well, we are uh, on the brink of, uh, I'm hoping, uh, a, a new direction, or at least a, a continuation of that direction of constructive uh, evolutionary process of humanity, in, at least in, in America. Uh, but what's interesting, too, uh, 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 Doctor, is 
that America is uh, not the only country that's going through something like this. I remember the yeah, Brazilian it, it, election. The, yeah, it, it, this whole the, democracy, uh, according to Freedom House, has been in, in retreat every year since 2006. And the question, why is there this worldwide phenomenon, is one that preoccupies me a lot. It, it's largely a mystery to me. I focused a lot on the American example, but you're right. Brazil, uh, India, mm -hmm. Russia, Turkey, yeah. the Philippines. There's been a lot of this stuff. And I don't know what is it that these countries are all connected, obviously. Somehow. But something's going on beneath the, yeah. beneath my observation. But then there's there's another element that's also taking place in the Middle East. You have women who are saying, no more. You're not going to keep us down anymore. And they're willing to, you know, oh, again. You're talking about Iran. Iran, yes. That's just yeah. one, one of many countries I know where people are saying enough is enough. We've had enough of this. Uh, we are individuals. We have individual rights. And you are not going to keep us down. And the only way you will keep us down is if you kill us. But you can't. Well, kill. I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I mean, I don't know where else you, you think it's happening. I mean, I know that there's discontent in Saudi Arabia and, yeah. and, and, and hardline countries like that. But I don't you know what's happening in Iran is a real uprising. Right. Uh, of that sort. And that's the only one I, I, I'm aware of. Well, the only other yeah, one. The, 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 the human other... spirit is always going to be a force. Yeah. yeah. The only uh, other country I would throw in there uh, because they are actively participating in their own personal survival is Ukraine. You know, at least oh, right oh, now. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Middle East. No, no, not. Well, I'm globally, but but the Middle East yeah. has a good representation of the human spirit willing to to do what is necessary to achieve uh, their, shall we say, their liberal liberty, their individual rights and freedom uh, yeah, in, in that respect, that they've had enough of totalitarianism. You know, the, the, one of the, the, the good, I, was, I think I was going to make this point. I don't think I quite got to it. But when when evil, uh, defined as I defined it, if mm -hmm. you recall, um, gains in power, um, people uh, who aren't um, somehow broken in ways which allow them to get swept up on the side of evil, uh, we'll have a response because we are built to strive for what is life-serving. That's, that's what's selected for out of the evolutionary process. And so one of the things that evil does is it makes those people who are not aligned with it rise to fight against it. And if you're fighting against something which is continually working to make things worse, it means you are pushing in the direction of working to make things better. If, if what you're against is pushing toward the end zone on the, uh, on the side of the field of brokenness, mm -hmm. then if you're you know, trying to push the line of scrimmage uh, toward the other end zone, you are, you're working in the direction of wholeness. And that's one of the things in terms of the soul of America that has been a beneficial uh, result. People of my generation grew up in, a, in an America in which there were real problems, but we were making progress against them. Mm -hmm. You know, civil rights and, 
and, and, and, and women's rights and things like that. We were moving in a good direction. Yeah. We took a lot for granted. When I wrote the book that my 1970 experience uh, um, uh, inspired me to write, it was 84 by the time it got published by the University of California Press called The Parable of the Tribes. When I wrote that book, I was a, I was a critic of America. I was a critic of the America in which I had grown up. My criticisms were valid. I mean, we've always been a far from perfect country. But mm -hmm. I, in, in retrospect, I can see I took a lot for granted. You know, I, I was brought up in a free country where we, where people could say validly we were the richest country uh, uh, we, we, we the world had ever known. Where President Eisenhower could visit India and there would be. I don't know, a half a million people on the side because the United States had saved the world mm -hmm. in World War II. And here's our war hero who 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 uh, oversaw D-Day. And now he's president of the United States. And we were, you know, that's the world I grew up in and criticized. Mm -hmm. You know, I criticized because of our Jim Crow South and I criticized because of McCarthyism and I criticized because of American imperialism and I criticized because we had capitalism with the power to without sufficient uh, regulation to prevent it from doing some fairly destructive things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but now I see. Wow, look at all we had. Yeah. Now that it's under threat. So I, too, have felt pushed in the direction of appreciating what our founders gave us. Yeah. Imperfect that it may be. Yeah. Now, it is so much better than overthrowing the will of the people because somebody wants to hold on to power for to satisfy his own ego needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they use the term, the phrase, the great American experiment. In science, you conduct experiments to uh, maybe uh, prove a theory or disprove a theory uh, to, in some cases, maybe just to see what happens. <clears throat> I conducted an experiment. It was not in the classroom. It was in the laundry room where I thought I would mix uh, bleach and ammonia and some of the other stuff that my mother had in there just to see what would happen and made myself thoroughly sick uh, to where I, I threw up. I was so bad uh, because some for some stupid reason I decided, I wonder what that smells like. And then, of course, it was not good. It was not good. But eventually the experiments uh, come to an end, you know, and uh, we either prove or disprove our theory. Uh, we've seen what happens. Uh, maybe we'll do it a couple of times to see if we can reproduce the same uh, same conditions and so forth. With the great American experiment, is there such a thing as something to achieve, a goal to, uh, to be met, or is the great American experiment literally an, just an ongoing experiment to see if we can keep it together? Well, I, I, think, I think of what Franklin said. Um, I think at the, upon leaving the Constitutional Convention, he was asked, what kind of government uh, have you guys created? Um, that's not, not ver verbatim. Sure. But, but this is, I think, is verbatim. A republic, madam, 
if you if we can keep it or if you can keep it so that was it is this ongoing thing and and uh, four score and seven years later uh, <laughs> or approximately uh, uh, Lincoln at the at Gettysburg said um, uh, I, I can't remember uh, how many times have I heard the, the Gettysburg I know address, I know the feeling he, he, um, to, we are engaged we are engaged in a great civil war to, to see if you know if the government of the people for the people and by the people um, uh, this this isn't quite the way you know the order, but sure. he says uh, to see if this or any other government so constituted shall shall long endure. Right. So, what we are seeing here is, I think, a more serious uh, possible threat to the success of that experiment than even the Civil War was. Hmm. Because if the South had, I mean, there are problems with what the South did. But if they had succeeded or been allowed to go, there still would have been uh, a substantial country ruled by the Constitution that was still a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. So it would not have ceased to uh, endure Mm -hmm. uh, Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln seemed to think, and I'm not sure why he thought this. Uh, I've, I've discussed it with some Civil War. Anyway, um, he seemed to think that if if it split apart, the experiment would have failed. I, I don't understand why he thinks that. I, I see the. I mean, there would have been problems, but I see the union. But right now, with that that experiment, what was is really at stake is not that we would have part of the country go its separate path uh, uh, in service of the uh, empire of the uh, of the slave power but we would have had um, the entire thing taken over by uh, you know the kind of thing that we've seen emerging um, with with the power that's been wielded by the, the 45th president of the United States and his allies. Yeah. And that would be a failure of the experiment. Mm. But I also want to, just if I may, mm -hmm. tie this in with the larger experiment that you know I thought that we would focus more on. Mm -hmm. I, I have no regrets about it. I, you know, we can talk talk another time about anything that we didn't cover fully. You know? sure, sure. But the larger experiment is can life evolve and give forth a creature like us that steps onto the path of civilization, which I say inevitably is really dangerous, problematic, challenging, and would be regardless of the creature's own inherent nature. It's in the, it's in the situation. It's a systemic problem. The experiment is if you bring forth such a creature, and that creature then does bring, it launches itself into a ev social evolutionary process that is largely beyond its control. Can it bring it uh, under control in time not to destroy itself? Mm. I say that's a toss-up with humankind. Right. 
I wonder what's happened elsewhere in the cosmos where there are other creatures that have stepped onto this. Because I think that is a central challenge that would face any creature that stepped onto that path. Will you be able to order your civilization well enough, soon enough to avoid destroying yourselves? So that human, so that that creature can thrive and that life on that planet out of which it emerged, of which it remains a part, can also thrive. That's the fundamental question that faces humankind. And the, uh, the jury is way out. Yeah. I mean, way out. Yeah. Well, I think I think one of the reasons why we kind of focused more on America and its so society and civilization is because it is said that uh, uh, the way America goes, the rest of the world, not all, but much of the rest of the world tends to follow. Or uh, is there everybody's watching, everybody's watching around the world to see what we're going to do next, you know. Um, and uh, uh, so that's that's to me uh, an interesting place for us to be in that that everybody is watching to see how we're going to behave, uh, how we're going to treat not only treat each other in our own country, but how we're going to treat other people in other countries, how open we are to understanding the different cultures and social norms uh, of whether it be the Arab countries or the Asian countries or Africa or Europe. It doesn't matter because every single part of the world has different ways of living, different social norms, if you will. Um, I mean, we don't eat, uh, as a rule, we don't eat dogs and horses in this country. There are other countries that's that's their food source. That's just what but is. What we what we what we have been though, and you're right, and I think it's good to call attention to that. America has played a role in the world. Um, well, I mean, it looked like maybe Wilson might have done that, but uh, what happened with the Treaty of Versailles, sort of, uh, mm -hmm. you know. But um, you know, people felt terribly let down because he had held out a whole lot of hope. So, but the, after World War II, thanks in large measure to uh, Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman and George Marshall, um, the United States uh, played a really important role in, move, in, in, in protecting the better values of civilization. And then a couple generations later, Madeleine Albright, then Secretary of State, describes this country as the world's indispensable nation. Mm. Uh, and and, I, I, and we, we have been the leader of the free world, both because we're the, you know, the biggest economy, the, the mightiest military, and because we have a heritage of a kind that led, well, it's not for no reason that France made a statue for us to put in New York Harbor. Mm -hmm. We've been a beacon to the world uh, for all of our faults. So you're right. And, and one of the things that I, you know, I said that I'm, I'm kind of bewildered by why democracy um, has been a world on, uh, in retreat on a worldwide basis. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is that over the last mm, 20 years, our example has been besmirched by us. Mm -hmm. the, the, the feelings of the rest of the world about the invasion of Iraq, we should not forget. We, we, we tore a, 
a, a rip in the fabric that America had led the world in weaving, having to do with the international order. Right. Um, and, and then we ended up with a politics in which the ability of our two parties to function together to get important things done kind of disappeared for reasons that you could imagine, sure. I would always say. Sure. <laughs> you know, if that's not what everybody's trying to do, then, you know, uh, uh, politics gets into a, being a zero-sum game rather than uh, of conflict, of uh, unremitting, uh, unrelenting conflict instead of cooperation to get good things done. We don't look very good to the world. Yeah. We can't pass gun legislation that prevents us from having uh, 10 times as many uh, massacres as every other country in our peer group. I mean, all kinds of things that we 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 did not look good. Yeah. Yeah. And if democracy is not looking good, the American ex example that you were talking about. And then on the other side, until um, until uh, Putin made this huge blunder of invading Ukraine. He was a guy playing a poor hand well. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese were making demonstrable progress in a very authoritarian system. And the example of the other authoritarian road was looking better and better while democracy in its leading exam exemplar for, you know, since 1789 or whatever, was looking worse and worse. That may, that may go uh, some distance in explaining why democracy has been uh, threatened, yeah. uh, losing ground yeah. in, in a whole diversity of countries from India to Turkey, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost as if, well, shoot, if, if they can't keep it together and make it work, then we don't stand a chance. So yeah, we'll just try something else. You know, it's, it's, it's almost kind of the way yeah. that it is. Whatever, whatever will get, uh, whatever get will get us what we want. Whether mm -hmm. it be you admire Putin because he took this uh, diminished uh, Russia, uh, post Cold War Russia, and, and and started really actually building it back to being more of a a world power. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if that's what you want, if you want to be a big guy on the world stage. You do it better that way. While the American experiment is looking like uh, we're losing the ability to be leader of the free world. Yeah. And or if you what you want is your GDP to increase like a miracle, like uh, the way uh, China has become, you know, an economy. Who, who would have thought in 1970 when Mao died that by this time, you know, the people are talking about the Chinese economy overtaking the American in terms, not in terms of per capita, but in terms of GDP. Oh, if that's what you want, development, you do better if you've got a system where you got a party in power and you got authoritarians that run the show and generate productivity. Hmm. It's uh, also uh, another element to toss in into the mix here. Uh, this country has been around uh, from its founding in 1776 until 2022. And uh, although I'm starting to take a look at some of the other countries around the world and how long their governments have been around, I mean, the, for example, China, they haven't been a communist country for 5,000 years, you know, but no form of government lasts forever. Everything is temporal. 
uh, and I'm not I'm not advocating that that you know we do away with this. Don't don't get me wrong, but that maybe we can not necessarily turn it around, but move to the next level of evolution for our society, our civilization, that will then, I hope, have some level of influence on, as we have, the rest of the world. Maybe we can, we can get our integrity back, uh, you know, so that the rest of the world at least can at least say, well, okay, we'll give them a second chance. All right, looks like they're, looks like they're, they're doing pretty good. They're starting to to come out of the melees, they're starting to come out of the dark, out of the back of the cave. Um, all right, we'll give them another chance, kind of thing. Well, I, I think we have. I think we have to go come from hope on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I'm more hopeful today than I was yesterday. Yes. Uh, but but why it would have been better if um, if the I I gather the last thing I saw is that the House of Representatives is now going to be. Uh, under the control of uh, of the Republicans, and 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 that means uh, that nothing's going to be accomplished. Um, yeah, yeah. For the next two years, so so it would have been better if we could have accomplished. I mean, a lot of good things got done in the last two years. Sure. Um, you know, in, at the simple level of inf infrastructure, but a lot more stuff, and, and there's a lot more that that could and should have been done. But at least, at least there will be. Uh, checks on that, and, yeah. um, but you know, you say everything is temporary. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I've long been a critic of you know the rise and fall of the uh, of the Roman Empire. Um, you know, as if uh, a lot of people have, have put out theories of history in which um, the fall is sort of inevitable. Like I've got. I've got oak trees and a big sugar maple out my window here. And, and you know, a hundred years from now, they're not going to be here mm -hmm. because they are built with, a you know, and, uh, nor will I for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> or I, or I. <laughs> be, be, because we're, we're organically programmed mm -hmm. uh, to, to rise and fall. We're, we're born, we live, we die, mm -hmm. you know. But I don't think I don't think something like what we what we're striving for with this American experiment is inherently like that. Okay. I think it's more that I think it's more that we're on a roller coaster ride dealing with with history with all of its unpredictability. I mean, for example, uh, I, I could tell you about how central I think it is that the the white supremacy power that was in the Democratic Party for more than a century and the corporate greed power that was in the Republican Party for, uh, uh, well, can, still is, mm -hmm. um, that they used to cancel each other out mm. because when the, the political battle got waged, one of them's pushing in one direction, one of them's pushing in the other direction, and so they canceled each other out. But because of the uh, LBJ signing the civil rights legislation, and he said, we're going to lose the South for a generation, well, it's been two and still go there. Because of that, they are both in one party. So history just throws up a bunch of random stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and non-random stuff, or just stuff that we can't quite see where it's coming from. And so an experiment, it's not just that it was, it's not that it was temporary. It's that sometimes we cope well, 
with what history sends our way. And sometimes we blow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we, the way we have blown it this time is a systemic problem of the soul that we've been talking about a couple times already in this conversation, which is that there's a problem on both sides. Yeah. One side uh, aligning itself with something destructive and the other side failing to recognize and properly combat that. I don't think that if, say, FDR or a whole political party in the spirit of FDR, whom I studied a bunch when I was running for Congress because I love to read about great leadership when I was aspiring to be a decent leader. If FDR had been the spirit of the Democratic Party since the rise of, say, Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh, and then Fox News and Karl Rove, and eventually Trump, if that spirit had been in the Democratic Party, it never could have gone as far as it's gone. I think he would have called it out, summoned the American people to the better angels of their nature, and defeated the thing in the cradle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas something happened in the meanwhile in the liberal world, in the secular world that's risen since FDR's day, day, I think that impeded the proper response. And so this thing that could have been defeated in the cradle got to be a good, healthy child and now is in its uh, shown itself in its full manhood, threatening everything that we hold sacred. So it's a systemic problem with different sides manifesting different forms of brokenness. Mm. Dr. Andrew Schmuckler is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we want you to go to the website of betterhumanstory.org, find out more, read uh, some of the uh, op-ed and articles, and even uh, get a copy of uh, some of his books uh, that uh, I think will help you to better understand where we stand as a people, not just America, but globally and, and where, where we go from here. And uh, that's going to be up to each one of us as to where we go from here. Uh, and I think that, uh, Dr. Schmuckler, you've made, uh, uh, made your point very clear that uh, you want to have a part in that process, as do we. Uh, I've said this before, uh, if asked, well, what are, what are you trying to accomplish with this program, Richard? I said, I want to change the world for the better for everybody, not just for a select few. Now, whether that happens in my lifetime or ever happens at all, uh, I honestly believe that the, that the rhetoric and, and the, the vitriol and the, the caustic nature of our society today does not help. Uh, I, I heard a, a, a talk show host just a few days ago talking about the aggressiveness of, of the dialogue within the campaigns and, the, and all of that that I just mentioned. And I, I, I actually yelled at the radio. I said, but you don't understand the irony of what you just said because you are part of the problem. You know, name calling and 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 uh, this person ought to be locked up and that person ought to be prosecuted. And it's like this is not helping, you know, and and if this person ever had a solution, I can't hear it for all the whining. 
you know? So uh, you're not whining. You are, you are expressing historical facts as to what has happened with our societies and civilization over the centuries and millennia even. I really had great hope for the 21st century. I didn't think yeah. it was going to be yeah. quite this rocky. I mean, I grew up watching the Jetsons. Come on. Uh, you know, uh, I was really hoping for flying cars. Now, those are coming. They're, they're getting closer. But uh, life was so much simpler in the, <laughs> in the Jetsons 21st century. If, may, I, may I come in now? Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to say something. Um, uh, I, I don't, I never know, you know, how I'm coming across uh, to people. But my hope is that there are people out there who um, think that maybe I have put something together. Uh, my life's work has been trying to see things whole. And this conversation has moved through a, enough different domains that I've made some um, suggestive brushstrokes about some of the connections. Mm -hmm. and, and if anybody's um, wondering, well, did, has, is it possible that perhaps this guy, meaning me, mm -hmm. uh, ha has put uh, uh, things together that, um, that could help us uh, get our act together by improving how we understand ourselves mm -hmm. and how we got here and the nature uh, of the challenges that we face and how we need to meet them. You know, if, if it's been plausible enough that, uh, that somebody wants to see, does he really deliver the goods? Mm -hmm. If they go to my website, which has got a whole lot of material on it. I'm, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, archive um, the whole thing that I've, generated in the last 52 years. Yeah. Um, but if you go to through the portal that says my articles in three quarks daily, where I've been running a series there, I, uh, I won a competition to contribute there. I've been using that country, that opportunity to lay out a series of which there are now five pieces, um, which if you're interested to see whether the secular worldview that you've got can be amended in some in significant ways having to do with the reality of evil. The, the, the importance uh, or the centrality of a battle between good and evil, the reality importance of the moral dimension, the reality importance of the spiritual dimension, and arguing it with, in a way that I got trained by uh, my father and the greater universities of uh, Harvard, Yale, uh, Chicago, Berkeley, uh, how to think and work out a theory. If you want to check it out, go there and see if I deliver the goods. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 76. I'm doing everything I can to contribute into the consciousness of our society, which I'm worrying about, something I think could be of some help. And I think it's you. kind of embarrassing to do that because um, yeah. I'm making claims that, you know, it'd be better if the world said, oh, you've done this or that, but I'm having to make the claims. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not the only one, but uh, 
I'm a marginal figure making big claims. So that's embarrassing. But I think I can show anybody who's interested in knowing whether that integrative vision of the human story actually holds water and illuminates some things that are important. That's how I suggest they check it out. Well, that's part of what this program is all about, is bringing people such as yourself uh, to the podium, if you will, to share their ideas, their thoughts and observations, and even beliefs and opinions for that matter, uh, that we want people to consider. I'm not saying, God forbid, don't agree. Oh, consider. please do. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it, trying to persuade, you know. Well, and, and persuasion. But I appreciate you're a, you're a host and you've, you, you've got a, you've got a role of, uh, of great value to, um, to provide people a menu of options to use to make the world better as they see fit. Yeah. And, and that's how I think we can still, even if there are, and by the way, I have checked the population clock, if you will, or population meter over the last uh, week, this past week, and uh, we are at 7.99 billion. I think we're going to hit You're talking million. about your, your, the number of your listeners? Uh, I don't know. Some of them, some of, uh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice if they were all listening. I think we're going to hit 8 billion before the end of this year, yet they're predicting that it'll be sometime in early 2023. But the way it's going, it's just, uh, you know, we just keep making more of us and uh, I think we'll hit eight. What that'll actually mean, I don't know, other than we'll have 8 billion people. Uh, here we are, the 21st century, it's 2022, and uh, we are very excited to have folks such as yourself uh, who are contributing to uh, creating, and I'm hoping this has a negative connotation, uh, creating the new, shall we say, optimistic zeitgeist, if that's, if that's the right word to use in this context. Yeah, I, I, we, we're back to optimism. Uh, you know, I said hope. Yeah, you know, uh, hope, uh, optimism. If, <laughs> if, well, if there's a distinction, um, I, I think of optimism as I would rationally put money down uh, on on the hopeful side, uh, uh, e even with even odds. Um, hopefulness is well. I recognize that it looks like it's not as good as even odds, but that's still what I'm going to keep my eye focused on, seeing if we can get there. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I don't know what the odds are. Yeah. But my son owns me a hundred dollars after <laughs> last night's. <laughs> well, doctor we. we Months ago, we made a bet, and, and and either I was going to lose doubly or I was going to win doubly. And it's, uh, fortunately, he owes me a hundred dollars. Well, uh, uh, you need to collect and go out and have a nice <laughs> dinner there. Hey, thank you so much, Doctor uh, Doctor Andrew Schmuckler, for joining us here on the program again. Uh, I want to. I would love to have you on as a regular. Um, matter of fact, I'd love to uh, to to uh, have you on. Uh, shortly after the first of the year to to talk about uh, uh, how things have progressed, uh, not necessarily over the last couple of months, but certainly from your observations, both uh, your involvement and everything. So uh, let's uh, let's see if we can't reconnect after the first of the year. I'm all for it. All right. Dr. Andrew Schmuckler has been my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. 
I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and this is a special uh, opportunity for me to thank uh, my guest for joining us here on the program. And uh, I'm going to ask you, even though I asked you the last time, those three questions, uh, we're in our 15th year, and uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't recall whether I asked you the new set of questions or the old, but uh, we're into the new set. And so we're going to start with that first question of who is Andrew Schmuckler? Well, if I can't answer that, who could? <laughs> um, um, I, I'm a guy who um, got called onto a, a path. Um, not sure how that happened. I guess it must be my family culture. Some, some played a role. And I'm doing my best to, um, to fulfill that calling uh, with integrity. And um, I'm also a fortunate person in that I've had a lot of good things that I've taken for granted that I've learned not to take for granted anymore. Number two, what is your life's purpose? Well, my life's purpose, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, engaged in the pursuit of happiness like every good American, you know? I like that. So, so I, I definitely want to, you know, I, I want fulfillment for myself. You know, I, I want to, you know, uh, my wife is an election worker and, she hurt her knee carrying a really heavy bo box of ballots oh. uh, uh, on Monday. Uh, my my purpose in that case is to make her life easier and get her back on her feet so I don't have to keep washing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at a higher level, my purpose is to serve those things that I hold sacred. Mm. And, you know, human thriving and fulfillment and the health of our living planet incorporate pretty much of all that, what all that's about. Mm. So, um, and they are endangered. So my purpose is to, to contribute to their protection. Well, my final question is a new one for the 15th year of this program. And it is, what was your best day? Oh, you did ask me that before. Yeah, this is for sure the, the same set of questions. I, I like the way I answered that one. Uh, I said I was going to define best day mm -hmm. as the day that uh, without, if you took it away, the, the consequences over the long term would have most damaged uh, my fulfillment in life. And, and I went ahead to describe the circumstances in which I met my current uh, beloved, uh, my wife. Um, and I felt good about that because, you know, I don't know if that was the happiest day, but it was pretty good because it was at a book party for me mm -hmm. that was that resulted, uh, you know, which represented uh, uh, the fulfillment of a long and difficult trail to get to that point. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty good day in the immediate time. But, but the main thing is um, it got her and me uh, on, on a path that um, uh, was always a, 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 a good relationship. And then after 20 years, it, it, it enriched itself uh, deeper. I didn't know that 
of marriage could get deeper after 20 years. I thought the fires go out, you know, you know. Um, but uh, on my website, I've got something called uh, the sacred, uh, the sacred space of lovers, mm. um, and uh, which is, you know, something I've enjoyed writing when I've tired of dealing with all the darkness, you know, to deal with something which is worth celebrating. Anyway, that day, uh, that day is responsible for my having that kind of stuff to say. Mm. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll uh, be talking with you again uh, in 2023. Okay. May, may the force be with you. And you too, sir. And uh, I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I am listening.